If you're not already at the assigned reading for the morning, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 7. We're thankful for Alex for reading uh, these verses, and I'm going to reread them for emphasis as we launch into uh, yeah, still morning, this morning's lesson. Of course, it'll be afternoon by the time we finish with the lesson, uh, but we're thankful. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have, taught, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Uh, this morning I want to use as a subject, take a walk with me. Take a walk with me. I, I, I think we all recognize that Christianity is a walk of faith. And it is a walk of faith where you don't know where you're going. And you don't know what you're going to have to go through. But it's a walk we gladly take because we trust the master, Jesus. And we believe that wherever he leads me to walk, wherever he is he leads me on this journey, it's going to be okay. Now, one of the things that sometimes we have to do as we go on this journey is learn how to follow. It is learn how to take directions. It is learn how to be quiet and listen. It is to trust God when you find yourself in situations that you cannot control. Because after all, if those things have to be in place, then where is the faith? So take a walk with me this morning, and we'll see where God wants us to grow. Paul writes this letter to the Colossians from prison. He's a jailbird when he writes this. But he doesn't let his circumstance stop him from being concerned about Christians. And I need for us to understand, don't let your personal circumstance stop you from being concerned about your brothers and sisters. Not just those of us at Bedford Street, but your brothers and sisters everywhere. We tend to get selfish when stuff starts happening in our lives that we don't like, we don't understand, we're uncomfortable with. And we fail to realize God's still in control. He's still in control. You may be going through this because he needs to teach you a lesson. Yeah. 
Some of us are hard-headed. Some of us are just stubborn. We, we are just rebellious as a mule. And sometimes God has to send you through some stuff. And I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul, even though he's in a Roman prison, is concerned about the church at Colossae. We learned in the early readings of the text, Paul had never visited this congregation. So this is one of the few congregations that we read about in the New Testament he didn't establish. Uh, and so he had never been there. He never had a chance to be in person with those individuals. But again, he was still concerned about them. The city of Colossae was primarily composed of Gentiles. But the church in the city had Gentiles and Jews. So you already know that that was an interesting mix already. But we don't necessarily read of any problems per se based on the people getting along. What Paul addresses in this letter is some bad teaching that's going on in their society and he wants to protect them, he wants to prepare them, uh, he wants to inoculate them from what's going on because he knows that generally what goes on in the community will eventually filter into the local congregation. You guys know that. Any fashion that starts out there, no matter how ungodly it is, you're going to see some church folk wearing it sooner or later. Because I didn't like it. It fits my body. I look good in it. No concern about, is it appropriate wear for a Christian? The, 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 the thought processes that are going on in the world. Uh, if we're not careful, you will start slowly embracing those things because you're around them everywhere. Uh, our school system is a good place, not only for the education of primary things, but our schools influence our children on a whole lot of stuff that's ungodly. And it's stuff that every now and then the church needs to speak out against, but also parents, you need to speak out against it. So your children understand. It doesn't matter that you're going in this environment where this stuff is taught. You need to know the truth. Now you give the folk the answers that they want on the test so you can get the good grades. But you know the truth. Okay, come on now, come on. You, you, uh, you haven't been in a class where you disagree with the teacher, professor, but you knew uh, this is the answer he wants, uh, he or she wants, want, okay, I'm talking to the wrong people. Uh, so sister Brittany, I know you know what I'm talking about. Anybody who's been in college and who has a background in science, I know you know what I'm talking about because much of you learn in college, especially if you're majoring in biology and the sciences, you, you hear a whole lot of stuff uh, that's evolution-based. And you got to go along with that for the sake of the class. You want to get your grades. You want to get out and graduate. Uh, but you, you, don't, you don't allow that to clutter your understanding of what Scripture says. <coughs> so the congregation at Colossae is in danger or in jeopardy because of false teachers. And if you and I are not careful, we, Bedford Street, will we'll be in danger because of all the false teaching that goes on around us. There is a lot that we, uh, we don't have to deal with because we're getting biblical instruction here. And so when you get biblical instruction, then you know what's not biblical. Now, I don't go out trying to teach against every false doctrine and every denomination that's out there. You know why? I believe if I teach you the, the, the gospel, the doctrine, you can filter that stuff out. 
Because I am not going to be with you when you're challenged with that on your job, at school, in the community, or when you're out on a date with somebody, or wherever it is. But if you know the teachings of Scripture, you can apply it to whatever situation you're in. So we learn from studying the background of this, Epaphras is the one who established the congregation at Colossae. And it is him who tells Paul about what's going on in the city. And as a result of that, that Paul writes this letter to support and encourage uh, these individuals. The local congregation existed in a, in a city where there was pagan worship. So I like in Boston. Uh, the people in Colossae were pagans and they worshiped many gods. I hope we all understand there is only one God. Now folk may worship many gods, but they're out of order. There's only one God that scripture talks about, and that's God the Father, who is in heaven right now. And so, but, but when, you, when you exist in a city where there's a lot of paganism going on, and you as a local congregation, or a local congregation, as they're doing their evangelism, guess who you're gonna draw into your congregation? Some people who, came, who come from this pagan worship. Guess what they know? Pagan worship. There are no Christian worship. So a church leaders have to teach those individuals what true worship is all about, lest they will assume what they have been doing was acceptable and they'll bring the same practices into the local congregation. That's why it is important for new converts to be in Bible class because you're not in a new situation. You're receiving new instruction and you need to be able to understand who we are, why we do what we do. Because you will have to defend your faith at some point, and somebody's going to ask you, why do you go to that church? Why do you all do the stuff that you do there? Because you don't do what everybody else does. It doesn't take long for anybody who's visiting the Church of Christ to know, we don't have no piano up in here. We don't have no choir up in here. We don't have women up leading the worship service. I know you guys noticed it, right? But you know that we don't have it, not because we want to have women, not because we want to have the money to buy an instrument, but because God didn't authorize it. Amen. So even though we live in an area, in a city where all that stuff is going on, we stick with what the word of God has to say. Show enough quiet up in here. Amen, and, and so we can begin to see as we study uh, this situation in Colossae that the world was exercising, exerting strong influence on the church. The world is going to do what the world is supposed to do. The local congregation needs to do what the local congregation is supposed to which is to educate the people who are there so that our faith will not uh, fail us when we're confronted with paganism, false worship, idolatry, because those things you and I encounter every day. Now, it's not like it was in the first century, but it's here. There are things and people and ideas that are designed to pull us away from what God has said. And those things happen slowly. They don't happen just in an instant. So the world was plotting to legalize gay marriage 30, 40, 50 years ago. They couldn't do it 30, 40, 50 years ago. Guess what? They recently did it. But they were plotting to get it done. And look at where we are now. We got a Supreme Court that's already 
I authorized it. Now, I hope God's people understand that even though the Supreme Court has authorized it, God didn't. And the only verdict that we need to be concerned about is what God has said. Now, that's going to make us targets and say, oh, you don't like those people, or you prejudiced, or all. No, we're not prejudiced. We don't have no hatred against anybody. We just stand for the doctrine of Scripture. And if we're going to be a healthy congregation, that's what you got to do. Now, you stand against it. You stand and you speak in love, and you're not trying to be mean-spirited and unkind, but you got to stand with what Scripture says. Because if you don't, little by little, we will become weaker spiritually. And we will find we have lost our footing. But again, it's gradual. It occurs over the course of time. And it, it happens so slowly that when it does happen, folks trying to figure out, how did this happen? Well, you, you, when you start skipping and missing worship service, when you don't regularly read and study your Bible, then what you soon will discover is that you'll believe and practice anything. Paul writes to the church at Colossae as a church leader who is concerned about the people and the local congregation. And that's one of the things that, that I appreciate and that I've learned from Paul is that you care about the people you minister to. But you also care about the people you don't minister to. This is a congregation he hadn't even been to. He's heard about them. But his letter shows a lot of love and concern for this group of people so that they don't get caught up and false doctrine. And so Paul starts us off in, in the ver first verse of chapter two by saying, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. What Paul said, I, I have a great struggle for you I, I, because I'm striving to help you to grow towards spiritual maturity. A good church leader is concerned about the members of that congregation becoming spiritually mature. And a good leader knows that takes time, but you got to be taught it. And the very things that we need to be taught to grow spiritual, many times we don't want to hear. Yeah. Because we are so influenced by the world that we cannot let go of what the world says. We don't uh, assess what the world says in view of what scripture says. And so you come away with some views and some preferences that are far different than what God says. And so Paul says, and you know, I have a conflict. I got a struggle here because I want to see you grow and be spiritually mature. And he acknowledges, you guys haven't seen me. I haven't been there. Now, even though they hadn't seen Paul, you need to know they've heard about him. Uh, Paul wrote much of the New Testament. And he wrote it to congregations that he had established or those that uh, he had been made known about to encourage them and to strengthen them. And really, that's what he's doing in this text this morning. He wants to strengthen uh, this congregation for the problems that are surrounding them. He says in verse number two, I, I want to encourage your heart. And the heart that he's talking about here is not the blood pump. It's the heart that's up here in our head, our mind. He wants to strengthen us mentally so that we can deal with the challenges that are out there that we have yet to face. Because Paul knows that the battle is in the mind. Whoever or whatever controls your mind controls your body. 
And we'll spend a whole lot of time on trying to deal with the body when the issue is we need to control people's thinking. And so as the heart is encouraged, which means the mind is strengthened, uh, then we can work on our emotions because our emotions respond to the thoughts that we have in our mind. And so you get, you get to these people who are very emotional, who lose control all the time, and sometimes you gotta wonder, what, what's going on in their mind? Our emotions respond to the thoughts in our mind, and when the mind is filled with biblical truth, then we can have better control over our emotions. Now, I need for you to think about that. Your emotions go haywire a lot of times because it's not being controlled by the word of God like it should. It's being controlled by the world, which allows you to say and do anything. That's how you can curse people out and not feel bad about it. Now, come on, church folk. Some of you still use some of that foreign language. You, you won't acknowledge it up in here, but in the midst of a conflict on your job or when you get twisted with your family members, what comes out of your mouth? And even if it doesn't come out of your mouth, what comes out of your thoughts? And you know, Jesus said, if you think it, you might as well have done it. So I'm talking to a bunch of Pharisees. You, well, you may not have done this, but you thought it. And I said this so that you'd understand it still applies to you. Just because you hadn't verbalized it does not mean you haven't thought it. Because again, the battle is in the mind. And so he wants their hearts to be encouraged so they can be strengthened with the word of God. He wants them to be knit together in love. He wants them to be united. He wants them to be together. And the hallmark of any healthy congregation is unity. Now, unity does not mean we have the same preferences and opinions. Unity means we are together on the doctrine of Jesus. We are together on the fundamentals of the faith. And we give each other grace where God gives each other grace, but when it comes to the clear teaching of Scripture, we all got to fall in line, whether we like it, whether it's convenient to us or not. And that's why a lot of times people won't go to church services on a regular basis because they don't want to hear biblical truths that don't jive with their personal beliefs. Jesus died to reconcile us to God. He didn't die so you can just do whatever you want to do. He didn't sacrifice, give his life so you can live any old kind of way and still think you're going to heaven. Uh, he, he committed himself to restoring a relationship between man and God. So if you want to get to the Father, you got to go through the Son. And, and so he says, I want you guys to be united, but I also want you to have the full measure of understanding. See, as we begin to understand Scripture, then it gives us assurance. It helps to give us certainty. The more we understand about salvation, the more we are confident of our salvation. See, gone is a day where you're sitting around, well, I hope I'm going to be saved. I, I, I think I am. You know, I'm trying to do my best. John says you ought to know, Christians, that you saved. He didn't say you perfect. He didn't say you're sinless, but you and I got to go back and examine what puts us in a saved situation. It is the grace of God, not your law keeping. Because if you were trying to do this based on law keeping, one sin will disqualify you. Now, come on up in here. How many of you got two or more sins? You might as well raise your hand because some of you are in the millions. 
You, you are. The longer you live, the more you're wrestling with sin and the more wrong you've done. Now, yes, you can be forgiven for it, but don't be blind to it. You get some church folk who say, I've never sinned. Liar, liar, your pants on fire. Oh, as long as I've been walking with the Lord, I haven't sinned. You're a liar. John would say the truth is not in you. And it's because you don't understand. We haven't strengthened our mind. As a human being, you and I struggle with sin until the day we die. Now, the more mature we are in our faith, the less we sin. Do not equip, equate less sinning with not sinning. Okay? Sister Brittany, I'm going to ask you. You don't have to respond. If you, if you obeyed the speed limit coming from uh, Rhode Island, then hallelujah for you. But, but if you went a mile or two over, then you're a sinner. Now, I say that because she came a lot on the highway. Some of you didn't take the highway. You took the back roads. And you still ignored that sign that was posted. I think we have been taught, based on New Testament, obey the laws of the land. And that speed sign is a law. So when you ignore it, you are sinning. Now, that has given some of you license to make your confessions today. Because some of you are speeding. And hopefully it will slow some of you down when you go back home. Sister Rosalie. So I, I can call her out because uh, uh, several years ago, Alex called her out. Yeah, he, he said it. I heard it from him. Now, he didn't say it like I said it. But what he said was the essence of that, that she has a heavy foot. Now, she's not the only one up in here with a heavy foot. And so it's about understanding this so we can appreciate the salvation that we have. And so the more I understand, the more assurance, the more confident I am. I don't have a problem saying I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I know where I'm going to be when I die. Now, if you're still wishing and hoping and, and well, you know, uh, what's the whole purpose in coming to worship service? What's the whole purpose in reading and studying scripture? Uh, it's designed to help us and grow our faith. And again, it doesn't mean you are perfect or sinless. It just means you have a free gift called grace that's been given to you, and you have accepted it by faith. And as you are growing in your faith, there's more evidence of your salvation. So if we don't have this assurance, then we don't have any hope. If we don't have this assurance, then we doubt everything. Well, you know, I, you know, is this really where I ought to be? Is this really the right church? Am I really doing what's right? You start creating doubt. And the enemy, Satan, will send people in your life who will exploit the doubt. And before you know it, you're questioning your own salvation. And so he wants them to have a full measure of understanding. We need to understand the word of God and the implications it has for our lives. And when you do that, there's a certain level of confidence and assurance. And then you can tell other people about this relationship that you and I have with God. 
He says that you need to get to know the knowledge of the mystery of God. So, so the false teaching that was going on there was a teaching that questioned the deity of Jesus. It, it was a teaching that said he wasn't God in flesh. He's just another man that came along. And he had no way of leading you out to being saved. Now, you need to hear me. If you take Jesus out of Christianity, we all, we all might as well go home now. We're here because we believe by faith Jesus lived on the earth. He was hung on the cross. They buried him in the ground, but he got back up. And because he was resurrected on Sunday, that's why we gather for worship on Sunday. We don't gather for worship on Saturday. But if Jesus is not who he says he is, it doesn't matter what day you worship. I'm thankful I got proof for those who like to have proof in the scriptures of how he died, when he was raised, and what people did on the day he was raised. That gives me confidence. So it doesn't matter who attacks my faith, I, I, I can take him to the script. Now as they attack my faith, guess what? They're not going to have no scripture for what they say. They're going to talk about feelings, preferences, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and when I give them the scripture, which is the authority, I'm done. Yes. When you and I are talking to people and, and they are ranting and raving about all this, when you give them the scriptures, you're done. Yes. Because you don't have anything else to give them. Yes. You don't need to argue with the persons. Uh, they then have to wrestle with the word of God for themselves. You and I need to know that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God's son. He's a physical uh, representation of God on the earth when he was here. That's how people got to know the Father through interacting with Jesus. Guess how we get to know the Father today? Through the words of Jesus, through the words of the apostles. And our faith leads us forward. He says in verse number three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're in Christ, you have all the necessary truth you need to know as it relates to salvation. If you're in Christ, you got all the truth and you have and, 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 and you have all the truth, not only based on what you know, but based on the access that you have. So, so if I have a question about whatever, guess what I can do? I can go here. I have to go to no priest. I can go right to the scriptures. I don't need anybody to tell me what the Bible says. I can read it and study it for myself. That's one of the beauties of being a Christian. Uh, you, anytime you want to talk to Jesus, you want him to talk to you, open this up. Now, when you do that, you got to have the humility to listen to what he has to say. Because when you read this and study, he, he's going to say some stuff mm. you, you, you didn't want to hear. But guess what? Once you know, now you got to do something with it. Right. And if we're growing in our faith, then we have to fall in line with what the word of God says. And because the devil has sold us a bill of goods, we think being a Christian is dull and boring. And you can't have fun. Uh, all you do is you go to church services all the time and a whole list of other kinds. Christians have fun, too. You don't believe me? Come to our church picnics. Well, we got folk with a domino table over here. We got some black, 
uh, what is spade experts, Sister Janet. I, I think you're one of them spade experts that always has a table and a deck of cards with them. And then you're always going to have somebody telling you all these wild stories about stuff that happened in the past. Some of it's true, some of it's exaggerated. <laughs> but we're having good fun and fellowship, and we enjoy being around each other. As a matter of fact, we've got a New Year's Eve program coming up in a few weeks. Come on out here and be with us on New Year's Eve. I know it's a Saturday, and I know Sunday comes after it, but we're going to have a New Year's Eve program. Amen. Now, in your old life, when New Year's came, you were out in the club, You showed up, and you weren't worried about, oh, it's 11 or 12 o'clock. That's when you just get into the club. Come on, in your old life, that's when the party got started. I know, you, you guys have been a Christian for so long, you, you just forgotten. You got amnesia. But I've seen enough of your old photos on, on Facebook. Because you put all your business out there. So we know what you're doing and what you've done. So in verse number four, uh, Paul says, now, I say, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you, watch this, with persuasive words. And the idea is don't let anybody trick you. Satan has a whole lot of false teachers out there that are slick talkers. That will even make wrong seem right. And they'll do that because they twist the scriptures. And if you don't know the scriptures, you will fall for it. Now, false teachers are robbers. And one of the things they rob you of is salvation. A false teacher can't lead you to Jesus. They can show enough lead you to Satan. And so the false teachers that Paul is dealing with at this time are people who are Christ deniers. They deny Jesus' deity, and they were denying Jesus' ability to save. And as I've already said, if you take Jesus out of the equation, uh, you take Jesus out of Christianity, then we're going to all be in trouble. I am thankful that, that Jesus lived and he still lives. I am thankful that he walked on earth and he left a pattern so that we could walk with him if we choose to. So, so as Paul is encouraging these Christians, he makes the statement in verse number five, I am absent physically. I'm not there with you. As I mentioned earlier, he's in jail, he's in prison. So he's not there physically, but he's there spiritually. His concern for them. You and I need to learn how to be concerned for people, whether we're in their physical presence or not. If the people mean anything to you, you're going to be concerned about them. And I don't know about you, but I'm concerned about every congregation that's around here. Uh, whether I've been there or not, I'm concerned that they remain faithful to the doctrine of Christ. Right. I, I, I'm concerned that they don't let sin go uh, undealt with there. I am concerned that there is healthy, strong teaching there. I'm concerned that they have good leaders there to shepherd the people. So he says, I'm absent physically, but my concern is there with you. And then he said, I'm happy to hear some good stuff about you. I'm happy to hear your good order. And that's referring to discipline. Mm 
Christians, we need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined to do the things that will help us grow spiritually. Now, recognize just as there are some things that will help you grow spiritually, there are some things that will hinder you from growing spiritually. And many of the things that will hinder us from growing spiritually are things we like to do. Binge watching on TV will hinder you spiritually. Surfing the internet for three and four, five hours a day will hinder you spiritually. Staying in the gym too long will hinder you spiritually. And, and those things will hinder you because if you're investing that amount of time in those things, when are you having time to invest in you spiritually? Some of you can go to the gym four and five hours, but you can't study the scripture for four or five minutes. Something wrong with that. Body exercise profited little. It's going to help this body a little bit, but it's eventually going to break down and die. We are all headed to the graveyard. Now, there's some things you can do that will slow the process down, but we go in there. If you don't believe me, keep on living and start counting the aches and pains that you have. Start counting them. And, and, and those are love letters from God letting you know a, a, a change a change is going to come. Now, how many of you got in your love letter recently? All right, you might as well be honest. Uh, it's a love letter that comes to everybody. And even when you're in your 30s and 40s, you start getting little notes. You may not get, get the full letter, but you start getting a little note of pain here and there. Yeah. So it's letting you know what's going to come down the line. And, and, and so Paul says, I'm happy to see about your discipline. See, when the discipline is there, we do what we do regardless of outside circumstances. Some of you all religiously get up at the same time every day. You don't have nowhere to go, nothing to do, but you're still getting up. That's discipline. You have disciplined your body to do that. Now let's discipline the body to get up and now do something spiritual. He says, I'm happy to hear of your steadfastness, which has to do with stability. We need to see stable Christians. We need to see Christians who, when trouble comes their way, they still got a smile on their face. And they serve God. We need to see Christians who, when people turn their backs on them, people backstab them, uh, they do not turn their back on God. We need to see Christians who, when health, uh, bad health news comes, you still show up for worship service and say, I thank God for what you've already done for me. None of us are guaranteed that we're going to die of old age. None of us are guaranteed we're just going to sleep away. Okay. Some of us are going to go through cancer. Some of us are going to have some ailments that create a whole lot of pain and discomfort. But as you go through your pain and discomfort, guess who's there with you? God is. He hasn't left you. So maintain your stability. Don't be question. why me? Well, why not you? Sometimes when you get these health diagnoses, it's your motivation to straighten up. It's your, now you begin to realize, I don't have a whole lot of years to squander and sow my wild oats. I'm on the clock. I'm on death row. So let me get myself to where I should have been already. 
I'm thankful we have a God who knows us all individually and he knows what to do to motivate you. So what may motivate you may not be what motivates me, but God knows. Now, now, now if I surveyed it, all of us would have some God moments when you came to your senses. Well, you came to your senses. You, you want to do your own thing and all that. And something happened that reminded you, I'm not where God wants me to be. Let me straighten up. So as, as he shows his concern for them, even though he's not there, he says in verses 6 to 7, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. This is where my title comes in. You and I need to take a walk with Jesus. We need to take a walk with him where we're willing to follow, where we're willing to trust him and obey him every day. Not just when it's easy, but even when it is hard, even when it's difficult, even when other people are trying to pull me in a different direction. Because some of you will be much more faithful if it weren't for the people in your life. When you're going to learn, those folk do not mean you any spiritual good. There are some folk you need to let go of. And recognize you don't lose with God. So if you lose some friends, you gain some friends who are Christians. You have some family members that don't care anything about you anymore. Guess what? You got some brothers and sisters in Christ. We care. And so he says... As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And the idea is daily conduct. See, our struggle with Christianity is we only want to practice it on Sunday. So that's going to make it hard on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to deal with the stuff that happens to us on those days. But if we walk in him constantly, then I'm always prepared and equipped to deal with the stuff that happens and stuff is going to happen. And most times when it happens, it comes out of the blue. It's unexpected. You weren't prepared for it. But if I got God leading me, then I will at least respond godly. So it's about maintaining a lifestyle that's patterned after Jesus. That old expression, what would Jesus do? We really need to think about what would he do in this situation? What, what, what would he do when your faith is being challenged on your job and people are asking you to do stuff on the job that your conscience is not comfortable with? See, those, those are real-life situations that we don't like to talk about, and, and, but that's where, that's where we show who we are. Well, what about if you're dating somebody who cares nothing about your God you still going to go ahead and marry the person? You don't care nothing about your God. And God ought to be the head of your life. So how are you going to submit to God and an ungodly person at the same time? So walk in Christ. Maintain a lifestyle that's patterned after Jesus. And he says the way to do that is to, first of all, be firmly rooted. I mentioned this morning at the 8 o'clock service, one of the things that, that has impressed me since I've been in New England is all these trees. They're just beautiful in the spring and summer. Yes, it is. But they're deadly in the wintertime. Let, let a bunch of snow fall on, get on these limbs, and the limb will fall on your car or fall on you. But they're pretty to look at, aren't they? 
Especially when the leaves are all green and stuff like that, or even when the leaves are turning and stuff like that. But you and I need to understand, we, we need to be like a tree whose roots are, are sinking deep in Jesus. So if I'm rooted in Jesus, then it's going to be mighty hard for anything or anybody to move me. Just like some of these trees that are up here, their roots are so deep, it's hard for anything to knock them down. Not impossible, but it's hard. Jesus becomes the source of our spiritual nourishment. Now, it's a little bit after noon, and I know already some of you are craving physical nourishment. You, you might as well come be honest with, about it. You're not going to get it right now, but there's nothing wrong with being honest. Right now, you're getting your spiritual nourishment. Take the time to enjoy receiving spiritual nourishment because that builds up your bones and your muscles so you can deal with the stuff that's out there. He says, not only firmly rooted, but built up. And the idea is being built up like a building. Uh, I mentioned, again, at 8 o'clock, uh, here in New England, I, you guys always build up. You don't build out. And I understand there's no land to build out, so you're always building up. I'm from Texas. There's always some land to build on. Amen. But I can appreciate this idea that uh, Paul is saying here by being built up, strengthened. And the idea is becoming more and more like Jesus. You and I need to be more and more like Jesus. Acts chapter 20. Let me just add this. Acts 20 and verses 30. Okay, it's not my verse. Let me see. Acts 20. Okay, that's still not my verse. Okay, I'll find the right one and get it to you this evening. So as we're being built up and becoming more and more like Jesus, we are then able to be established. So the idea of established is as you continue to walk, God gives you a firm foundation. Anybody need a firm foundation? So that when the winds come, like they were a couple of days ago, and they're howling and blowing, you don't get blown off course. You're able to stand. And we need Christians who can stand today. He says not only being established, but also abounding. And the idea here is just like a river that's overflowing its banks. He's got more and more and more and more. And so as we're being shaped by God, as we are placing our emphasis on him, as we are walking with him, then he allows us to abound. We're able to do some things we didn't even think we could do. You're able to say some things you didn't think you could say because you have been fed on the word of God. Anybody ever, ever been in conversation with people and sometimes you're surprised that some things that even came out of your mouth, they were just that good? <laughs> okay, I've had that moment every now and then with a sermon. Stuff came out of my mouth, I said, where that came from? But it sounded good. That's God. And when you stick with the word, he's going to give you some words when you need them. It says abounding with thanksgiving. And I know we just had Thanksgiving a few 
uh, a week or so ago and you guys had your turkey and your ham and your mashed potatoes and your sweet potatoes uh, and your cakes and uh, your cran uh, what, cran uh, uh, that cran stuff, what is it? Cranberry. Cranberry, cranberry sauce, okay. Uh, I know you guys like, I don't like cranberry, so that's why I can't pronounce the word. But, but that happens every third Thursday in November. When God is in your life, every day is Thanksgiving. Because you recognize you have something to thank him for every day, not just once a year. See, that's what the world does. And if we're not careful, we'll be like the world does. Once a year, we want to be thankful. Okay, you don't get that one. Once a year, the world wants to get gifts. So some of you are already maxing out your credit card on gifts for folk for December 25th. I want a gift in January and February and March and April, May, June, July, all throughout the year. Don't wait till the end of the year to give me something. And December up here, it's too cold to do anything with the gift. And so it's about exercising these opportunities to do things like that on a regular basis and not limiting them to just a day or uh, one section of the year. So what Paul does here is to help, to try to help these Colossians, even though he's never been there, they've never seen his face, but from a pastoral standpoint, he says some things to encourage them to keep on doing what you're doing so that you'll be able to withstand the pressures, the false doctrine that is surrounding you. And you and I have to deal with false doctrine every day. We have to deal with a world that is trying to change us, to get us to conform to the world instead of conforming to the word of God. And that, that requires intentionality. You gotta be focused. And you gotta see the subtle things that are out there that sometimes you don't even think anything about them until the moment has passed. And you begin to, oh, so that's what they were trying to do with that. So when, when the world is sending you all those credit cards offers, when are you going to learn to tear, uh, tear that stuff up and put it in trash can? It, it's easy, and in a split second, you could apply for these things, and you got five or six of them, and all of them maxed out. Now, it's nice to have plastic money. Problem with that is that that plastic money will turn into concrete money when the bill comes. And when your budget won't allow it, then guess what folks start doing? Robbing God. Well, let me go ahead and conclude. I think you, you got the lesson. The first thought as I conclude the lesson this afternoon, since it's noon now, is Jesus is all you and I need. You don't, know, you don't need Jesus and the Pope. Uh, you don't need Jesus and some man-made book. What you and I need is Jesus. And we need to faithfully follow him to the best of our ability. Till death do us part. Recognize that as we grow spiritually, it helps us with assurance. So as I am growing spiritually, as I, as I am maturing in my faith, I doubt less. I am confident of what I say to other people. I can stand on this with conviction. 
So a lot of times we don't have conviction because there's no assurance. We haven't invested in our own selves enough so that I can get up and defend the faith. If I ask you, why are you a member of the Church of Christ, you ought to be able to tell me. You ought to be able to tell me in your own words. You've heard enough sermons. You've said it, enough of the Bible. You ought to be able to give me an intelligent response. And it ought to be more than one or two sentences. That ought to be the kind of question you would love for somebody to ask you because it gives you now the opportunity to teach. And so that assurance is what many of us are missing. And we're missing it because we're not doing the basic things to be rooted and built up. So the basics, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, uh, fellowshipping with Christians, all of that helps us in our assurance. Recognize that the world's job is to try and take Jesus out of your life. And if we're honest, some of us know people who that's exactly what has happened. They started out with you being faithful and involved and engaged, but the world started dangling stuff that glittered and, and, and it caught their attention. And it just slowly pulled them away. COVID was one of those things. I, I'm thankful that some of us have gotten back on track and we've, we've let COVID go. But there are a lot of folks who still blaming COVID for why they don't come to worship service. But they don't blame COVID for hindering them from going to Walmart. Or whatever your favorite story is. Okay, some of you have already seen Wakanda forever. And you went into a movie theater and you weren't the only one there. Okay, you don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah, okay. Okay. I, but I know, I, I, I know you guys. I've talked to some of you who've gone. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to the movie theater. As soon as I can get there, I'm going. You guys just keep me so busy, I don't have time. <laughs> but I'm going. And, and when I go, I'm going to give me a big bucket of popcorn. There you go, in my, in my diet drink. And I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to let the world rob me or take Jesus out of my life. I'm not going to let the world make me feel like I can't have any fun. I'm not going to let the world uh, uh, cause me to believe that my belief in Jesus and my belief in biblical doctrine is wrong. Right. I'm not going to let the world challenge me without me saying something to them. And then recognize that daily practice of our faith is essential. Daily practice of our faith. Daily walking with Jesus is essential. Now, every day, there are some things you and I do every day. When you get up in the morning, I think most of us wash our face. And if you don't, you wouldn't acknowledge it in this crowd anyways. I think most of us every day brush our teeth. You wouldn't dare go out of the house without brushing your teeth. I think every day or the night before, most of us look in the closet to try and figure out what we're going to wear. And some of you don't just glance in there. You just walk wholeheartedly in the closet, and you're there for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. My point is that there are some things that you and I do daily, and we view them as being essential. They are important. Don't you know that following Jesus every day 
is just as essential? Don't you know that reading and studying the scripture every day is just as essential? Don't you know that following Jesus, obeying him, trusting him is essential and we need to do it every day? Every day, for those of us who got, got, a car, got a car, when you go in there and you stick the key in the ignition, you expect the engine to turn on. And if the engine doesn't turn on, you got a problem. I am happy to know that every day that I call on Jesus, I don't get a busy signal. Nobody, he's not trying to ghost me. I can talk to him. And he will respond to me. Now, I've matured enough in the faith to know his response is not always what I want it to be. But I can trust that he's going to respond. And because of that, I have assurance. And because of that, I don't mind taking a walk with Jesus. And I hope that the rest of us today will recognize it is important to walk with Jesus. Not just when it's easy and convenient, but every day of your life. Because there's some storms that are going to come. Uh, there are some issues that are going to come. And if this is my habit, if this is just my daily practice, then I'm going to walk with Jesus even though I have these issues, even though these challenges are coming. Because I understand now the benefit of it. I'd rather go through a storm with Jesus than to go through a storm all by myself. These nor'easters that come up here. I want Jesus in the house with me. What about you? Today, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond. Uh, I, I just want to end by asking, are you walking with Jesus? Jesus.